0: section eight of the central period of the middle age 918 to 1273 by beatrice a lees this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. chapter four cluny and movements of reform medieval history can only be understood by trying to enter into the spirit of the middle ages and to think the thoughts of the past only the breath of sympathy and the light of imagination can quicken the dry bones of ancient controversies and enable us to appreciate the attitude of mind of the men and women who lived in the ages of faith when the universal church was a visible reality and all great political and social movements tended to take a religious form in the struggle between the principles of monarchy and aristocracy which characterized the history of the middle ages the church stood for monarchy and for unity as the heir of imperial Rome and the guardian of the Roman traditions of centralized government. It was the support of the church which gave the first German emperors strength to hold their own against the disruptive forces of feudalism. It was the influence of the church which raised the Capetian dynasty to the throne of France. But this political power brought its own danger the danger that the church itself would be secularised and feudalized and become a mere department of the state churchmen held land as a necessity of existence and held it on feudal conditions bishops and abbots were hardly to be distinguished from barons they were nominated by secular lords they did homage to them and were invested by them with spiritual offices and jurisdiction through the gift of the symbolic ring and the pastoral staff. The prelate was a feudatory, the benefice was a fief. The church was drawn into the feudal system. Moreover, benefices came to be regarded as property, to be bought and sold. Simony, the sale of holy offices, was widespread and practised without shame, and since the clergy were permitted to marry, there was even a tendency for ecclesiastical benefices to become hereditary like lay fiefs in the tenth century the secularisation of the church was but one aspect of the prevailing moral and intellectual degradation religion degenerated into superstition learning almost became extinct and while the mass of the clergy sank into gross ignorance and vice the few intelligent churchmen sought advancement in the service of the state even the monks who far more than the secular clergy were separated by their vows from worldly cares and interests were corrupt and self-seeking and the invasions of the northmen hungarians and saracens completed what internal deterioration had begun monasteries were harried and burnt and their inmates were scattered abroad yet already in the early tenth century signs of a moral revival were apparent and with moral revival went monastic reform in the year nine ten william the pious duke of aquitaine founded a benedictine monastery at cluny near macon in french burgundy and placed it under the direct protection of the pope the monks of cluny were exempt from the jurisdiction of the bishop of macon and independent of all secular authority even that of the king of france in the eleventh century a new rule the ancient customs of cluny antiquiores consuetudines Cluniacensis monasterii was drawn up. The first example of the establishment of an order within an already existing order, of which it still formed part, and the congregation of Cluny was gradually organized. The Cluniacs were always Benedictines, but they observed the Benedictine rule with a difference. In the older system, each religious house was an isolated community. In the new system, the original monastery kept in touch with its offshoots it became the centre of a kind of federation of which all the members were governed by the same statutes rules and discipline the rule of st benedict in more than its original strictness the chapters general or central assemblies of cluny were attended by delegates from italy germany france aquitaine spain portugal hungary poland and england from the chapters general visitors went out to inspect and supervise provincial administration the abbot general though he was elected by the monks ruled as an absolute monarch the daughter houses were with some exceptions simply called priories and the priors were nominated by the abbot general cluny became the type of monastic power a sort of monastic empire the order was fortunate in falling under the guidance of a succession of great leaders the first five abbots bernot 910 to 927 odo 926 to 948 modulus 948 to 994 odilo 990 to 1049 and hugh 1049 to 1109 were men of considerable administrative ability and of saintly life Four of them were actually canonized, and round them all grew up pious legends of marvels and miracles, which witnessed to the popular reverence in which they were held. Odo had a tame wolf, which followed him wherever he went. Odilo walked on water like st Peter and turned water into wine like Christ. Hugh, the friend of Pope Gregory the Seventh, who had himself refused to be pope, lived in a wonderland where nothing seemed impossible but this passion of mystic devotion did not prevent the early clunaics from becoming a great force in practical politics as monks bound by the threefold vow of chastity poverty and obedience they were peculiarly fitted to fight against simony the marriage of the clergy and lay investiture as exempt from episcopal jurisdiction they better than the secular clergy could protest against the feudalization of the church as directly subordinate to the pope they were untrammelled by national loyalty in advocating the claims of the spiritual power monastic reform was but one side of a general moral and intellectual revival a reawakening of the human mind and spirit which dimly perceived in the tenth century may be clearly traced from the middle of the eleventh century to its culmination in the twelfth century renaissance Another sign of this reawakening was an increased interest in education, and a love of learning for its own sake. It was said of Bruno, Archbishop of Cologne, the brother of Otto I, that he restored the long-ruined fabric of the seven liberal arts. Gerbert, Pope Sylvester II, the friend of Otto III, who was schoolmaster, Scholasticus, at Reims, was so learned that he was supposed in aftertimes to have sold his soul to the devil in return for knowledge education in the tenth and eleventh centuries was entirely in the hands of the secular clergy and the monks the cathedral schools of reims Chartres, paris and laon were particularly famous and the monastic schools of cluny of fleury and of lebec in normandy where first lanfranc and then st anselm attracted eager crowds of students by their teaching in germany bruno's school at cologne and the monastic schools of reichenau and saint Gall in schwabia and of fulda and Hersfeld in franconia with the saxon nunneries of kedlinburg and gandersheim won special renown as educational and literary centres here current events were recorded in chronicles and annals the lives of the saints were written and the authors of classical antiquity were studied and imitated bruno of cologne even learnt greek Hotzwitha, abbess of gandesheim worked up the legends of the saints into latin comedies in the manner of terence gerbert expounded virgil juvenal and horace in italy the study of roman law seems never to have been wholly neglected and pavia had a school of law as early as the tenth century it is pleasant in reading the records of the fierce turmoil of medieval life to come upon passages which tell how bruno of cologne would retire from the noisy supper-table to the companionship of his treasured books or how fulbert of chartres the disciple of gerbert himself master of all the learning of his time would even after he became a bishop teach his pupils in the chapel-garden or in quiet walks about the cathedral so that after his death HE WAS REMEMBERED AS OUR SOCRATES. TEACHERS SUCH AS THESE FORMED THE GREAT MEN WHO LED THE ECCLESIASTICAL REFORM MOVEMENT OF THE 11TH AND 12TH CENTURIES. LEO IX AND GREGORY Seventh DREW STRENGTH FROM THE EDUCATIONAL REVIVAL NO LESS THAN FROM THE MONASTIC REFORMATION. IN GERMANY, THE SPIRIT OF MORAL AND ECCLESIASTICAL REFORM FOUND PRACTICAL EXPRESSION IN EDUCATIONAL AND MISSIONARY ACTIVITY. The church worked hand in hand with the state in the extension and consolidation of the kingdom. Under Otto I, bishoprics were founded for the Danish march at Aarhus, Rippen, and Schleswig, and for the Vents at Oldenburg, Havelberg, and Brandenburg. At the end of the tenth century, Adalbert, the Bohemian bishop of Prague, the apostle of Prussia, gave his life in an attempt to convert the heathen Slavs in italy the spiritual revival was more mystic in character and influenced individuals rather than communities devout and sensitive men shocked at the profligacy around them withdrew into the wilderness and dwelt as solitaries or in congregations of hermits in mountain caves or in wild and lonely places where they gave themselves up to meditation and to penitential observances such were st nilo the calabrian hermit whom otto the third visited in his retreat near gaeta and st remuald of ravenna the founder of the hermit order of the camaldoli who tried to win otto the third for the monastic life such too was the tuscan noble san giovanni gualberto who in ten thirty nine founded the order of Vallambrosa, of whom it was told that the sculptured christ upon the cross had bent toward him in approval when he spared his brother's murderer his legend was a favorite subject with the artists of his native town of florence and in the fifteenth century when the great painter frangelico represented the founders of western monasticism in a fresco on the chapter-house of the florentine monastery of san marco he introduced both saint remuald and san giovanni gualberto into the group gathered below the cross of christ this mysticism and enthusiasm the asceticism of the hermits their scourgings and penance their dreams and visions were not without their effect on the later reform movement they gave it warmth and zest and inspiration peter damiani the friend of hildebrand and one of the leaders of the reform party was himself a hermit of the order of camaldoli under his direction and that of men like-minded, a regular campaign was opened against those cankers of the age, simony, and clerical marriage. Leo IX condemned them in a council at Rome, and again with great solemnity, in the council of Reims in 1049. The treatise on simony, which was written somewhat later by Humbert, an Italian cardinal-bishop, shows the feeling of the reformers on the subject humbert does not scruple to compare the king of france henry I, to simon magus himself and to accuse all the emperors except henry the of encouraging simony he proceeds to denounce lay investiture as the root of the evil and from this time onwards the attack on the marriage of the clergy and simony widened into a determined attempt to free the church from state intervention by absolutely prohibiting The grant of spiritual symbols by lay hands this attempt made a breach between church and state inevitable for the prohibition of lay investiture carried with it the refusal of churchmen to do homage to laymen for ecclesiastical fiefs set the church altogether apart from the state and completely severed it from the secular duties and feudal obligations by which it was bound thus by monastic and educational revival By the ecstatic fervour of mystics and visionaries, by the practical training of ecclesiastical lawyers and statesmen, and by the quickening and deepening of the popular conscience and moral sense, the way was prepared for the Hildebrandine reformation and for the war of investiture. End of section 8.